You're listening to episode 382 of the GNU World Order. My name's Klaatu. We're going through every single Slackware package installed on Slackware Linux by default. If you're not running Slackware, that's okay. These are open source projects, so you are probably going to find them out there online, ready to be used on Linux, Windows, Mac, whatever you're running. So let's get things started with the next package in the in our list, which of course is the AP package set. That's the list that we're going through right now. We've already been through A, we're going through AP now. So the next one that we need to look at is CJPEG, and that is S-E-E-J-P-E-G, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there is a man page, yeah. So I can't really do much with this. It did not work for me as designed. What it is, though, I mean, I, I got the feeling for this application, and I've tried it several different ways, and it's just not working for me, but we'll, we'll talk about that. So what it is, is an image displayer. So you might think, oh, okay, so it's like Gwynview or Geeky or what is it, Eye of Gnome? And no, it's not like that at all. Well, I mean, it, it is like that. It is, they're all image viewers, so yes, they display images. This one is an image viewer for a text console. So you can be in a, just a text console. It's just you and the the ASCII text that runs your computer. There's no graphic server running. There's no X11 or Wayland or anything like that. You can still see images, in theory. I say in theory because no matter what I did, I couldn't actually get this thing to work correctly. I don't know if maybe JPEGs of the modern day are too advanced, like too complex for whatever version this was written for, maybe. That's one theory. Another theory is that I just don't have my graphics card configured correctly for this to work. That doesn't, I don't feel like that makes sense because this isn't that, that's the point. This isn't using, I mean, it is obviously at some point using the graphics card, but it's not, it's not tapping into any, any features that should be out of its reach. Specifically, according to the man page, it says that it's using SVGA lib. Now, I don't, I, I have, I don't think I've ever used Linux with SVGA involved, so that's a little bit outdated, certainly from my point of view. Whether, whether it's, supposed to be valid sort of through a translation uh, sort of process I, I don't know so when i when i initially ran cjpeg well when i initially ran it it didn't work and it gave me this error here uh, where did the error go here it is svga lib cannot open slash dev slash mem are you running this program as root or suid dash root well i was not so i switched over to root su space dash got into a, as a root user tried it again cjpeg tilde slash screenshot slash rocks dot jpeg. Okay, great. That did work, and uh, it, it sort of took over the screen, as it were, and meaning I lost my prompt. And it kind of showed me um, something that looked like it was meant to, that like it, yeah, I could tell it was trying to show me the graphic that I pointed it to. It was not doing that well, but it was clearly making that attempt. I believe at that point I had to just sort of do a hard reboot. I I think on that one I lost really just all control of the computer. I could not get to a to a, a position or to a mode where I could sort of get back to um, something that looked like a prompt. I think I could have probably faked my way through it, like if I'd control C and then sort of just blindly typed into it, I think it would have worked. And I say that because then I rebooted, did, did sort of the same thing, but this time I realized, well, I don't have SVGA lib loaded as a module. I did an LS mod grab SVGA lib or svga whatever nothing so i did a mod probe svga or svga lib and loaded the module confirmed it again with an ls mod grep svga 
There it was. Okay, then I tried that whole sequence again with a different JPEG file just for safety. And then with the same JPEG file for safety. No matter what I did, I couldn't I couldn't get the JPEG to display correctly. I was able, during that series of experiments, to sort of control C out of it. I couldn't get a, a visual prompt back, but I could kind of feel and tell that something was happening behind the noise. And so I was able to, I think I just had to reboot in the end. There's probably a way to recover from that. I mean, I did try a reset. That would have been, that was sort of like the obvious thing. I didn't try switching to a different virtual console. So yeah, th there were still some some avenues left unexplored during that test. Now I also tried it with X with X started with while running KDE, and, and that was relatively disastrous. Uh, it it sort of took me it took me away from my desktop and dumped me into a text console. And sort of showed me a bunch of noise on the screen. And at one point, I couldn't get back. Sometimes I could get back, and some tests I, I actually could not get back. And I don't exactly remember what the variables involved there were, but obviously it didn't go well. I was not able to get CJPEG, S-E-E-J-P-E-G, to display a graphic for me at all. I could get it to mess up the screen real bad and show me noise, but but not the actual image that I was looking for. So if you can get CJPEG working, then I think it sounds like a really, really cool little trick. Absolutely. I would, I would, um, I, I would, I would, I would like that. I, I think I would very much like the flexibility of having, uh, of being able to view something in the, the frame buffer, but that's not the tool for it, apparently. There are other tools that do that. Some, some of the media players, you can, adjust the output to frame buffer or FB I think is usually what they just um, abbreviated it as so you can you can you can do this without CJPEG it's just you have to you have to choose your choose your weapon and I guess CJPEG just is not it at least not for what I was trying maybe I was just trying things that like I say maybe they're too complex for modern for for an older application like CJPEG, and I'm just assuming that CJPEG is old. I didn't really check in to see when it was last updated and so on. But the copyright date on the on the man page goes up to like 1999, I think. So I got the feeling that it was a bit of an older application. And you know, I mean, this is kind of a sign of of the luxury, or this is indicative, I guess, of the luxury that we enjoy as modern Linux users. That I can I, I can drop to a text console, try something, have it not work, and then just decide, you know what? I don't care. I'm not gonna mess with Zorg.conf for whatever it is that I need to mess with right now, in order to get that to work, because. That's not what I'm interested in doing with my time. I have more interesting things to worry about. I guess, again, it wouldn't be Zorg.com if it's not using that. But whatever I would need to configure for that to work, I don't need to do that. And that's a, that is such a luxury. Because at one point, that would have been... That kind of problem would have been the difference between you not using Linux and using Linux. And that it's not a big deal now is really, really refreshing. And there are arguments that, well, you know, if if you know if you knew how to fix that and could fix it, then that would be better because then you're 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 ready for everything. But I feel secure in my decision to walk away from that problem without seeing a successful graphic displayed from C JPEG. Next up, we have Slack PKG. Now, Slack PKG is the package management system, such as it is, for Slackware. I've talked about related tools. They, they come in a package called Package Tools, PKG Tools. They're 
that they appeared in the A package set or the A software series in Slackware terminology. And so that was covered back in episode 1229. So season 12, episode 29. You can go back and listen to that if you're curious. And those are important tools for package management, realistically. They make a lot of things really easy, like sublimely easy, especially upgrade pkg. It's probably my favorite command within this whole set. Well, make pkg is way up there as well. So I guess, yeah, give me make pkg and upgrade pkg, and it's, uh, I'm, I, I'd be happy. In fact, I'm not even sure why install pkg really exists outside of just being a symlink. I think we could, I wonder if it could just be symlinked to upgrade pkg dash dash install dash new. But I guess there's probably a requirement for upgrade pkg to run at all, possibly. It must have something installed already. I'm not sure about that. I'd have to look. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Slack PKG. And Slack PKG is kind of the backbone for really the updates of official packages within Slackware. And it's also kind of your key, possibly, to anything that you did not install during install uh, if you don't have on hand your install media, which you may not. I don't even think I got install media for 14.2. I don't know why not. I did order it, I did pay for it, but somehow I never got the disc, as far as I can tell, because I'm going off of a burned one, which is weird, but I think that was probably around that time that the Slackware store was sort of falling apart, so I guess that explains maybe where that went. Either way, doesn't matter. You don't have your install media. It doesn't matter. You've got the repository of all of the packages that ship on that Slackware PKG. You've got access to it over the, in the network. And Slack PKG helps you find those things. So let's look at, I guess let's look at Slack PKG, the man page. Slack PKG has a couple of different, no, you know what, first let's let's do this. Let's look at the sort of the infrastructure as it were behind Slack PKG. So if I go into slash etc and then Slack PKG, I can see that there are a couple of, couple of different files here and probably the first one that you would think or that you would want to look at is mirrors. So I'll do a Jove mirrors. No, I won't. Doesn't like my terminal. All right. Term equals X term Jove mirrors. There it goes. And this identifies this application as something that is copywritten by Roberto Batista, Ivaldo Gardenali. And um, it doesn't say that it's open source software. So I don't know if it's open source actually. I'm not entirely sure. Let's look. We'll do a less on slash var slash log slash packages slash slack pkg. Look for a license. I'm not seeing a license. I don't see a license in here anywhere. So this may be non-open source software slack pkg. Um, officially, like, you know, legally standing, it may, it may not be open source. I'm not entirely sure. Let's do a cat on uh, slash user doc slash slack pkg slash slack description. No, install. No. Read me. Let's just, oh, there it is. GPL. Yep. Okay. So it's uh, a GPL version two or later. Okay. So that's um, that's the Slack PKG license. It's good to know. It's just kind of curious in the moment. So it, it has a couple of places that it can look for software. You may point it at one thing, at one location. So this is not something like um, DNF or, or DPKG where you can add repositories to it left and right. 
you can you can have one thing, and that is in this case, um, you could have a CD or a DVD drive, so it points to CD-ROM colon slash slash media slash CD-ROM local directory. So you could just have all the packages locally. It's kind of a nice option, but quite possibly you're just going to access it over the network. And the the I guess the approved the the best way to do that would be to hit mirrors.slackware.com first and let it find your nearest mirror server and then you can go to that. So you uncomment the line http colon slash slash mirrors.slackware.com slash slackware slash slackware64-14.2 slash and now slack pkg when when you utilize slack pkg that's where it will look for all of the information that it needs. And what's it looking for? Well it's looking for the change log. That's what it bases all of its decisions on. So we can do a slack pkg update and you can see it's a pretty verbose command. So you can see that it's navigating to mirrors.slackware and that mirrors sends it to uh, something that just flew off my screen. So I'm not sure where it's going. Oh, digital. Yeah, it's going to a server somewhere. And it's looking for the change logs, uh, a couple of manifest files, pasture testing, and so on. So it's downloading all of this stuff and updating my copy, my local copies of this information so that I now know whether anything has changed since last time I've done this. This is a very, very conservative update. This is, and, and furthermore, we're not actually updating anything. This hasn't really updated. Well, I should say it has updated, but it is not upgraded. So this has simply gone to the mothership, downloaded all of the recent changes, uh, in, uh, alerts about it, uh, recent changes, and placed it on your computer. So now if you do something like slack pkg upgrade dash all, then slack pkg runs through the differences between the remote uh, sort of canonical the remote canonical Slackware system and your remote system, it runs through the differences, and then it tells you how to make those two more more alike. So, for instance, if you're running uh, lib foo version 0.9, and it sees that Pat's version of Slackware has an important security upgrade for lib foo to 1.0, then it'll it'll offer that f to you. It, it will offer to install, or, or upgrade rather, lib foo 0.9 to lib foo 1.0 and you could do that and you could you can rest assured that when you do that it won't break the other applications on your system that were relying on libfoo because this is from upstream this is from pat he's he's structured it in such a way that those upgrades can be hot plugged into your system it is a very simple system and don't be fooled in either direction uh, the simplicity of it is beautiful I will I will agree with that, but don't don't be too smitten by this. It, it so th this is sometimes too simple, and the more you hack on your system, the less useful Slack PKG becomes. At least as a quick drop-in, no-brain solution. It, it's still useful. It, it can be useful, but a lot of times, if you've messed around on your system a whole bunch, then you have to stop and really think about what Slack PKG is offering you, because it might not understand the, the, the sort of the logic that you have introduced into your system. So maybe you've got libfoo, uh, I don't know, 1.3, because yeah, you, you saw that 1.0 upgrade, and you did that manually. That was nice. And then you even, you did one better, and went to 1.3 because it was available. Why not? Well, Pat 
Volkerding maybe is a little bit more conservative than you. He he settled on 1.0 because that's the that's the one that's got the long-term support. That's the one that he has has tested and has confidence in. So that's what he's put onto the the big Slackware server repository. Now, Slack PKG, it doesn't know the difference between 0.9 and 1.3. It doesn't care what you have on your system in terms of version number. It just knows that what you've got for libfoo is not the same as what it has. And so to Slack PKG, sending you back to 1.0 from 1.3 looks like an upgrade. To you, that probably may not be an upgrade. That could be problematic. But to Slack PKG, that fixes the one thing in life that it cares about, which is making your system look more like it. So the simplicity is nice, but it it can be a little bit too simple sometimes if you're doing really exciting and crazy things with your computer. Now, for the longest time, that did not apply to me. I did not do exciting things with my computer. I very specifically refrained. I just mirrored Patrick Volkerding's version of Slackware. Now, very recently, as I've explained maybe two episodes, three episodes ago, I did upgrade myself to KDE 5. Just, I don't know why I did it. I'm not sorry. But Slack PKG is a lot more complex now because when I when I load that up, it's giving me all kinds of bad information. It's telling me, oh, you should go back to this version. I'm thinking, no, I don't want to go to that version. I'm 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 better than that version now. I I'm waiting for Slack PKG sort of ca- to catch up with me. So just keep that in mind. If if you know if you if you're if you're following Patrick Volkerding, and I'm not saying that you know th- that's that's for core libraries, and by core libraries I mean everything on the DVD, which is like four gigs or two gigs or something. So it's a lot of software. If you go and install, um, I don't know, Inkscape and um, Flatpak and whatever else from from uh, slackbuilds.org, you're not going to have a problem with that. Slack PKG has no awareness of those packages. All it knows is that the packages, you know, all it's looking at are the packages that it has in the repository. So if you're installing additional stuff, then Slack PKG will ignore that entirely. It will never bug you about what version of libpopular you're running, or what version of Inkscape you're running, or or Flatpak, or, uh, I don't know, Ansible, or whatever it is. Slack PKG will never care, because that's not... It's almost as if, though, in a Git repository, those are untracked files. So, if you're messing around with, if you're upgrading things that that Patrick Volkerding put on a Slackware disk and sent to you, that's when Slack PKG starts to care about packages, and that's the ones that'll kind of catch you out if you're not careful. All right, Slack PKG, it can do a search, it can do an install, it can do a remove, an upgrade, a reinstall, and a blacklist. So, Slack PKG... Uh, I guess maybe the the workflow might be something like slack pkg search, and then let's just do, I don't know, FLTK. Pretty random, but there you go. Um, it's telling me that FLTK, the version that I have installed, it, that was a bad choice. Uh, I mean, it was a good choice or a bad choice. So FLTK, that actually does come on Slackware. Um, it's FLTK 1.3.3 for whatever reason, and I don't remember the reason, but I assume I did it for um, some musical application, uh, like a digital audio workstation or something, or, or maybe a synth, something like that. I I updated it to F- FLT. 
TK 1.3.5. And I did that through Slack builds. So again, Slack PKG sees that. And even though I did it through Slack builds, don't let that trick you. It's, it's something on Slack builds that overrided a default package on Slackware, which doesn't happen very often. They generally, they try to keep those things separate. But in this case, uh, one overrided the other. And so if I were to accept the upgrade, then it would send me back to 1.3.3. So anyway, pretend like we didn't see that, and we're going to do a search instead for... Let's do a search for um, OpenSSL. We know that that's a thing that Slackware ships with. It has found OpenSSL, and it says that they are both installed already. So OpenSSL, OpenSSL dash so libs. It's already installed. Well, I'm not going to find anything that's not... Well, actually, I think I might. Slack PKG search vim. There you, there you go. So there's uninstalled and uninstalled. vim-7.4 and vim-gvim-7.4, both of which are un uninstalled. So if I wanted to install those, then I could do slack pkg space install space vim for instance. Press return, it would go fetch that application from the Slackware server, download it, and install it to my system. Simple as that. Of course, it was already installed. I could do a reinstall if for some reason I suspected that Maybe I deleted it a f de deleted a file that was very important to them working or something. Then I could do a reinstall. Uh, if I wanted to remove it, of course, I could do a slack pkg remove. Upgrade, upgrade, reinstall. I said that already. Um, and then finally, blacklist. So blacklist is that that's the thing that you kind of need to remember to do, which I should have done. So for instance, slack pkg blacklist fltk. Why? Well, because I have installed, it's just verifying now. So because I've installed FLTK 1.3.5 and I don't want to be sent back to 1.3.3 by Slack PKG. So blacklisting it makes Slack PKG ignore that package. It will no longer offer to sort of manage that package for me. Now, all of that information is stored, as you can imagine, in the file called blacklist, which is right there in slash etsy slash slack pkg. So again, if, if using git terminology, it would be kind of like your .git ignore file. Yes, I acknowledge that these files are on my computer. No, I don't want you to worry yourself about them. But wait, that's not all. Slack pkg can do a heck of a lot more. Slack PKG is a surprisingly capable little application. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, you'll possibly recall in the previous episode, I was kind of raving a little bit about RPM and database, database, database-based uh, package management, and it was kind of nice because you get, you know, the thing that I was specifically being complimentary of was. Well, you can do a lot of cross-referencing and so on. And that is cool. And, and, and it does have certain features that, that, that Slack PKG does not have. But, but you might be surprised at, at just how capable a system that amounts to basically copying files to your computer and jotting down on a piece of notepaper somewhere what got copied where. Like, you'd be amazed at what that's capable of with the raw text parsing power of POSIX. For instance, let's say that we want to find out what 
uses OpenSSL because maybe we're contemplating upgrading OpenSSL on our own or something and we want to see what kind of ramification that might have. Well, you can do a slack pkg file dash search. So this isn't just a search, it's a file dash search. And then the string that you want to search for, so OpenSSL for instance. And there it returns GNU TLS, IRSSI, OpenSSL dash solibs, OpenSSL, OpenVPN, PHP, Ruby S tunnel, ZSH, InMap, bash completion. Those all, all, somewhere in there, they, they all mention OpenSSL. And by somewhere in there, I'm, I'm talking, of course, of slash var, no, I'll do an ls, of slash var slash log slash pack packages. And, and that's the place on your system, on Slackware, where all of the package, uh, record of all of the packages that get installed on your system are kept. So for every package, it's pretty much its exact name is copied without the extension, like the .tgz or the .txz, whatever, without that. But everything up until that point is copied as a text file. The name of that, of that package name, the name of the package is copied as the, the title of a text file into slash var slash log slash packages. And in that text file is listed everything that got copied to your system when you installed that, that package. Which means in order to uninstall that package, all Slackware has to do, specifically Slack PKG, or if you're using PKG tools, you could do it with remove PKG. All it needs to do is parse that file and remove the stuff that it finds. So it's a brilliantly little, it's a brilliantly um, simple and effective little scheme. Alright, let's go back into Slack PKG man page again here. So I've got uh, search and file search, we've covered that now. You can also do a um, upgrade-all, which I talked about, and that, that just looks at the, the stuff on your system compared to the stuff on the Slackware server and tries to get them to align with one another. You can do an install-new or a clean install. I've never done a, or not a clean install, uh, a clean system rather. I've never done an install-new, so I'm gonna have to find that, I'm gonna have to find out what that, that means. So it looks like install-new installs any new packages that are added to the official Slackware package set. Run this if you are upgrading your system to another Slackware version, or if you are using dash current. Then I actually probably have done that before because I have upgraded the current, and I bet I had to do that. So install-new just tells it, yes, please do install packages that don't necessarily exist on my system or rather that do not exist on my system, but do exist on the Slackware server, whatever server that happens to be. Clean-system removes all packages that don't belong to a standard Slackware installation. With this option, you can clean up your system removing third-party packages as well as any packages that were removed from the official Slackware package set. Well, that's pretty cool, but yeah, pretty dangerous. I've never done that before, but it's kind of nice to think that you could literally sort of reinvent your entire system, or, or rather reset your entire system just using Slack PKG. Like, it would take a while, and I'm not positive that you really would want to do that, but you could do it. You could say, you know what, I want this box to be exactly what exists on the Slackware server. And I, I guess I could see you doing that. Like, if you were, for instance, let's say that you decided that you no longer wanted to run 14.2. You wanted to go to Slack where dash current, which is the place where all of the development happens. So when, when Patrick Volkerding updates packages in anticipation of the next Slackware release, he puts that in a place called Slackware dash current or Slackware 64 dash current. And if you mirror that, if, if you look to that mirror, then your system will be updated along with current. So 
feasibly, you could install 14.2 on your system and go into Slack PKG slash mirrors and set your your mirror to the dash current location on mirrors.slackware.com slash slackware slash slackware 64 dash current. And then every time Patrick Volkerding adds a, a package to, to that repository in anticipation of the next release, Slack PKG will trigger, you know, or you run Slack PKG, it will trigger an update for that. It's a little bit too cutting edge for me, so I, I tend to avoid it now. I used to run it, and uh, I have to say that it's actually really quite safe. I, I haven't heard of many horror stories about things irreparably breaking down from dash current. It's just, it is, it's just a little bit too cutting edge for me these days. But it is pretty safe as as rolling releases go. Okay, so that's um that's that's the dash current solution of, of Slackware, and that's an option. And I could see that if you were running 14.2 now and wanted to go to current, I could see maybe rolling your entire system back to sort of a uh the, the just to the factory defaults, you know, a clean system. Get rid of all those third party things from Slack builds and the time that you used to make PKG yourself and from Alien Bob, all that stuff, get rid of it. Remove anything that's been removed from the Slackware server and then and then update from current. And suddenly, you know, you're 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 you are you are you are working with a known sort of package set. You update everything, you reboot, and you're now running Slackware uh, current, whatever it is, and then you could reinstall all the custom, you know, the third-party packages. You could recompile them and, and install them against all of the fancy new libraries that you've just downloaded and installed. Okay, so now let's look at the, um, well, there's, so the, there's the, there's Slack PKG update, which I think I've already kind of covered. That's the thing that copies the change log from the remote to your, to your server. And then there's also Slack PKG info. So for instance, let's do, I don't know, info open SSL. This prints out the Slack description or Slack dash desc as it's usually called in the in the repositories about a package it's really useful because it tells you exactly where the thing is located so for instance OpenSSL exists on the dvd like on the disc that you got in the mail if that's how you got slackware in the slackware 64 slash n folder for network now it has since been patched and so the the active copy of it exists in patches slash packages, so that's kind of telling me what 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 is currently existing uh, on my system. And then it gives me a, a little uh, description of the application. It tells me what what it is, and this is the the thing literally in the Slack description file, uh, and it just kind of gives you a paragraph about that package. So we could do that, uh, I don't know, FLTK. There's FLTK 1.3.3. It's an extra FLTK, and it is, oh, so that's why, okay, so extra. So I actually probably didn't have it installed from Slackware ever. I just installed it from slackbuilds.org. Anyway, there you go. So it gives you the information, Slack PKG info. That'll give you all the information about any given package that's on your system, as long as that package has a slack-desc file. If it doesn't, then you won't get a whole lot of information. And a package might not have that, especially in the event of you having compiled and installed that package yourself. So for instance, if, I mean, like if you got it from Slack builds, then yeah, they, they write Slack description files. But if it if it's something that you just downloaded, it's source code, you downloaded it, you compiled it, and then installed it to a temporary directory and then went to that temporary directory and just typed make pkg-ly-cn and then the name of the package and the location that you want it to be saved. Maybe you didn't bother doing a slack desc file perfectly fine, but in that case you're not going to get that here. So uh, you, you have created essentially a, a slackware 
package. Well, I guess maybe a non-compliant Slackware package or a non-optimized one anyway. But I mean, I've, I've definitely done that several times. Okay, so um, the other, the other um, options here are uh, check updates, which verifies whether there is an update for, for the change log. So if you don't have the bandwidth or just the time uh, to, 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 to just do a Slack PKG update and wait for the change. What will happen if, if there has been no change is that you'll be warned. It'll tell you, hey, there's no change between the server and your local system. Do you really want to, to download anything new? And generally I say no to that. If you don't want to go through that, just do a, do a, a check uh, update instead. And then it will either tell you, yes, there are changes that you should download or or no and then what was the other one after that oh check updates no new config yeah so new config is um a kind of handy as well it searches for any new configuration files on your system that might have been displaced so so dot new files on slackware are configuration files that get displaced by updates that it, it happens i would say fairly not fairly regularly but with an update with an upgrade i should say there there may be an a, a configuration file with a, a new syntax or a bunch of new options and Slack PKG does not itself merge configuration files. So what can happen is that if you upgrade, I don't know, uh, foo, and there was that configuration file slash etsy slash foo.conf, and now you're upgrading it, well, foo.conf has gotten a lot of new features all of a sudden. And so what Slack PKG does is, it'll actually prompt you for this, but I, I think what I usually do anyway is I tell it, to preserve my existing one with the .new extension and to copy the one from upstream into place. And then afterwards, you can go through your system with Slack PKG new-config and find the .new configuration files and figure out what you want to do. You can run a diff or, or just kind of, I don't know, find, find the options that you care about and merge them manually, whatever. So it's a little bit of manual work, uh, and there's not really a way around that other than just saying, yeah, just get rid of the con configuration files and not worrying about it. But generally, I, I do the, yeah, the preserve them, and then go back and check them later. New config just helps you do that. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about templates. Templates are, they, they're, they're almost really cool. I mean, I'm sure they're very cool. Here's the thing. A template, in terms of Slack PKG, is a list, it's a report of all of the Slackware sanctioned, the, the official Slackware packages that you have installed on your on your system. And that is useful, and it parses it very nicely, and it just puts in the project name, so it's version independent, so you don't have to worry about matching up versions or anything. It's just, it's all the packages that are installed on that system. And you, you do Slack PKG uh, generate dash template, and then some name, a name of the temp, you know, you just give the template a name. So let's just say Slacker Media dot template, uh, or maybe just Slacker Media. Uh, it might auto append dot template, I'm not sure, I don't remember. But it it, it generates a report and places that report in slash Etsy slash Slack PKG slash templates. And now you have a template called Slacker Media or whatever. So if you were to then take that template file somewhere else, you could do a Slack P onto some other computer. You could do a Slack PKG install dash template Slacker Media. And 
it would look in slash Etsy slash Slack PKG slash templates and install all packages listed in Slacker Media template that I generated earlier. You could also do the opposite. You can do remove so you can remove those templates. So I can kind of see how in principle this should be very useful, but I, I feel kind of like in practice it is not all that useful because at least for me, nine times out of ten, I just install everything. So sure, I'll, I'll remove some stuff here and there, but but generally speaking, I just take Slackware and I install the thing to my hard drive and that is it. So the template is install everything. Not really that big of a deal to then record that into a separate file. I could see a template file being very useful for the way that I guess I use what I call Q files, and I call them Q files because SBOPKG uh, by Chess Griffin, that referred to the files as Q files, and so that's kind of how I know them as. It's basically a template, and those are sort of, I, I think of them, and I think SBOPKG sort of designed them to be more more purpose-built templates. So for instance, you might have a template, or a Q file in this case, for video editing. All the components that you need to support a video editor. Or all the components that you need for making music, or for page layout, or for ham radio. You know, all these different things that you could you, you can kind of imagine being a little bit insular in terms of what they require, but enough that it would be tedious to do it by hand. And I feel like that would be very useful, but Slack PKG doesn't really know about anything other than what Slackware has available. So there's a little bit of a breakdown, I feel, between the usefulness of Slack PKG template and just the concept of, oh, a, a template file and then a command to install all of those things. Well, in practice, that's what SBOPKG does. I think it's time for a coffee break. things about this package management situation in Slackware is that it has given rise to lots of, let's call them hacks, I guess. I, I want to say extens you know, sort of extensions, but I don't know that they can technically be called extensions because they're not officially supported. But one of them is called Slack PKG Plus. That's the one that I've, I've actually tried. I think there are a couple of other ones, but Slack PKG Plus is worth looking at if you are running Slackware, because it, it essentially, it does, it extends Slack PKG. It doesn't replace it, it doesn't displace it, it just gives Slack PKG new capabilities. It's really quite cool in design. The idea is that you download and uh, install, like, it's, I think, one configuration file. Slack PKG Plus, and then you're able to tell it a, a list, you're, you're able to feed it a list of repositories that you want it to look at. You can also prioritize the repositories so that Slack PKG looks to a, a specific repository before it, it looks to another, which can be handy. So the, the syntax of the, of the configuration file is pretty simple, and when you install Slack PKG Plus, it gives you a bunch of examples and, and a couple of, um, like, usable examples, like some of them, some addresses in there that you could activate. 
you should check to make sure they're all still active. It, it does kind of vary. The really cool thing about this is that um, anyone can set up a Slackware repository. And yourself, you you could you could set up your own. There's a place called slackonly.com, I think. It's just some random person with a repository. Now, whether or not you trust random people's repositories is up to you, because these are binary packages. These aren't. You're not installing stuff from source code like you are on slackbuilds.org. You're just looking at someone else's packages that they've built and put up. They've put them into a specific directory structure to create a, an, a you know a recognizable Slackware repository that Slack PKG can essentially mistake for its own its own stash. And you can install stuff from that, and you can search those repositories and, and so on. And all of that happens in the same way that Slack PKG treats the official Slackware repository information. It's just doing it with a variety of other of other um, packages and other servers. It's a really neat little hack. You should definitely try it if you are looking to extend Slack PKG. I will be perfectly honest with you. I basically don't do this. I've messed around with Slack PKG Plus just so that I could experience it, but yeah, I even then, even as as sort of a as an experiment, I, I did keep it on an isolated, not isolated, like air gapped isolate. You know, just it, it was on its own system that was that was dedicated to sort of this is the experimental system. It was not something that I did on my on my main production machine. Because I just don't trust that amount of sort of combining packages. I, I much prefer, if I can, I, I prefer to generally keep Slackware official packages. And that's that's Slackware. That's the base. And then in addition to that, I put my own packages on it. And they are tagged with either SBO for Slack builds or SMI for Slack slackermedia.info. And and that's kind of how I get the packages that I have on my system. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad to have packages from elsewhere at all. There there are lots of great repositories out there and and if that makes using Slackware easier for you, then go for it. And if it makes it easier for you to integrate and and communicate with those repositories to use something like Slack PKG Plus, then by all means go for it. That that just makes sense to me. I think that's uh, not a bad, not a bad thing at all. Just be aware of the, of the, uh, I, I guess not the risks necessarily, but be aware that that you are you are running things that are non um, non standard. Now, slackbuilds.org, I've mentioned before, and I, I don't want to go too too into detail here because it is um, it is not Slack PKG. It, it barely uses, well, it doesn't use Slack PKG at all. So this is completely separate, but I, I may as well, since we're talking about installing software here, I may as well mention slackbuilds.org. So this is, this is separate. This is the other package manager in a way from, from, you know, compared to Slack PKG. And you can kind of treat them separately because Slack PKG is so hyper-focused. I mean, unless you add Slack PKG plus to it. But by default, it is so hyper-focused on what is officially on the Slackware servers. It, it ignores almost entirely the other packages that you install, unless, like we just discovered, FLTK, for instance, where it could be part of Slackware, but it's not because it was in the extras directory, and instead of installing it from there, I installed it from slackbuilds.org, whatever. But slackbuilds.org, if you go to that website, it has build scripts. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before a couple of times. It's got build scripts, and that's all they are, is just the build scripts. Which means that it's 
you know, I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot of scripts there, so it, it does add up. But really, it is just a collection of scripts, which is not huge. It doesn't take a lot of space. So what generally people, I think, do is they mirror all of those build scripts onto their local system into some path. Me, I put it in user ports, u slash usr slash ports. You could also put it in slash usr dash, uh, slash, rather, local slash slack builds, or slash var slash lib slash whatever, whatever, you know, whatever, wherever you want to put this thing, you can mirror it onto your local system. And then you can kind of operate on those build scripts in any way you want. So this leads, this lends itself really well to homebrew solutions, if you will. The, the first big one that I heard about was Chess Griffin's SBOPKG. Chess Griffin being a, a podcaster with a show called Linux Reality, which was, um, I don't know, way back in 2008, maybe 2007, that, that time frame, And it was, I mean, it was largely that podcast that kind of helped me through discovering Linux really as a, as a usable and realistic system. So it was a big deal. A lot of people have fond memories of that show. And Chess Griffin, the host of that show, created SBOPKG, which is just, it's a bash script that looks at the the collection of scripts that you have from slack builds and it searches through them and parses some of the different files that are associated with that and kind of gives you this interactive um, method of of discovering new packages it's it's really really nice but it doesn't have to be sbopkg and in fact that's not what i use anymore um for me SBOPKG, the features kind of started getting to be a little bit more than what I wanted, and so I wrote my own solution called Sport, Slackware Port System, which I modeled, at least in my own mind, off of the BSD port system and how how that kind of works, although in the end I, I actually probably use it more like SBOPKG than I do that one, but oh well, I tried. Uh, but it's it's generally a great, it's generally a good enough system. It's not a great system. There there are bugs in it that I should probably fix soon, but um, that exists. There's also SB, what is it, SBOQ or SBQ or something like that, which which I've, I've seen fly by on some mailing lists. And then uh, quite recently I got sent an um, AOS search SBO script, which is quite nice as well. It's a little Python script, which is intriguing for a couple of reasons. Now, a lot of the solutions out there for interaction with Slack builds right now have been or are Bash based, which which is great. You know, I mean, Bash is it is one of those in theory easy to read, easy to reverse engineer languages that I I, I really value. Because you can only be so um, sort of programmatic about it. I mean, it, it is, even with some of its really mysterious kind of shorthand, like, a lot of it is still pretty recognizable in terms of the logic and what is actually happening. You can kind of trace it back. You can break out things into functions, and you can do some wacky advanced stuff with it, but there's only so much of that you can do. At the end of the day, it's still a bash script, and if you work hard enough at it, you can really kind of, you, you can get to a point where you understand what those are doing. And, and that's huge. I mean, that's, it was Slack builds templates that really solidified bash scripting for me. Like, that's what kind of broke it apart for me. It was like, oh, okay, I'm finally getting it. And that was largely sort of my introduction into programming. I mean, that was, it wasn't the only thing, but it was, it was a big part of that. So I value bash scripts 
very highly. And and Python scripts tend to be a little bit more arcane, or not not arcane, but um, mysterious anyway. I mean, they're they're a little bit more advanced, generally speaking. AOS dash search SBO, which which refers to AOS as a project that this that this guy is is working on right now, uh, a Slackware-based, uh, I wouldn't say a distribution necessarily, but it, it is um, an ecosystem around a Slackware uh, Slackware base. So that's AOS. And then Search SBO, of course, searches slackbuilds.org. And it does it in, in, in the same way that all, all the other tools do, except it it does it in Python, which means that you could, if you're a Python programmer, um, quite possibly tap into the code of this script to extend it further. I mean, not that you can't do that with Bash, but certainly something that's designed to be uh, treated as as modules and libraries like Python would make that a little bit easier. So this script, written in Python 3, searches through uh, wherever your Slack builds are, and you do have to tell it where those are. By default, it's looking in something like slash var slash lib slash sbopkg slash sbo, I think, or something like that, and then slash 14.2. So it's it's pretty rigid and kind of tightly bound to sbopkg in that sense. But if you know enough to open a text file and find a couple of variables, then you can change them. And, and I, that's what I did to use this. I just struck out the sbopkg... Yeah, path to sbopkg. Struck that out and then and uh, set the variable path to sbo with a small o uh, to slash user slash ports slash. And that that did it for me. That that set the the path correct. And then once I remembered that it was Python and not Bash, and therefore stopped trying to run it with a uh, with a sh dot slash aos and actually ran it with Python three dot slash aos dash search sbo. Then it can search through your Slack builds files and sort of run reports on them in a way. I mean, for instance, if I do search SBO, search um, Jack, and I'm going to pipe that through most because I learned my lesson before when I did that, and it it run, it, it returns a, a quick little rundown of all the things that mention Jack in either the name or the description. So, for instance, I've got sample v1. There's the version, the maintainer, the home page, which is actually empty. I wonder if that's a mistake. Uh, and then short description, an old school polyphonic po- polyphonic sampler, and so on. And it, it just it just goes down the list. So if Jack is mentioned in either the title or the description, then it's listed here, which is quite nice because uh, SBOPKG, at least last time I looked at it, which was granted a long time ago, uh, only searches through the titles of packages. So you're looking specifically for a package. You're not sort of you're, you're not you're not grepping through all possible packages. So that's nice. And I could be wrong about that. I, I shouldn't say that about SBOPKG. Either way, this format is quite nice. It gives you, you know, a little something that that's SBOPKG doesn't give you exactly in this format. And that's what the script is. It is just a search tool. So it's it's very very specific in what it does. It searches through Slack builds, but if you if you want something in in a nice easy to read sort of just the important information kind of delivered to you from one command, then this is a nice little script. And there are lots of these things out there. There are lots of ways to parse this information, just like there are ways to parse the stuff in slash var slash log slash packages. And that's what makes this so cool. It's it's all, it, it is the, it's that Linux theory of plain text being surprisingly powerful. And I understand that at, 
at some point data sets get so large and complex that you really do have to kind of reduce them down to to binary formats so that the search can be quicker or can make more connections or, or whatever. But for for personal computers, I'm I think I am finding, and I think a lot of Slackware users are finding, that plain text is still very, very powerful and and quite powerful enough for all of the things that you could sort of possibly want on certainly from a package manager. Although I guess not all of the things, because there are package managers out there that don't deal just in plain text and they do lots of cool things. But I think for 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 a certain style of computer using, I think that this is this has proven and continues to prove that plain text is perfectly, perfectly doable. You can keep it in plain text, you can use clever parsing techniques, you can use lots of different languages, lots of different tools for that parsing, and and you can provide like these really really custom experiences. And I think that's that's one of those things that people just don't get about open source is that all of that choice means that you never have to settle for anything that you don't absolutely love. And and so you might look at Slack PKG and think, wow, that's a strangely crippled package manager. Or you might look at it and say, this is extremely hackable. You might look at Slack builds and say, why would you have two? Why would you have Slack PKG and the official Slack rep- repository and then Slack builds.org and and slack pkg doesn't even isn't even aware of slack builds.org why would you do that it's like a split brain problem or you could see it as the base system and the local system and you can see that slack builds having absolutely no interface to it other than just the script itself that builds the package and and realize that you can build your own tool so that it does exactly the same thing and i guess i'll highlight again sort of the difference between for instance sbopkg and sport and 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 the the silliness that they both exist like it doesn't make any sense that they both exist they shouldn't exist i should have never written sport but there were just little tiny things that weren't satisfied by sbopkg form i couldn't get it to show me both the information about what version and the md5 sum and and all of that stuff and the requirements all on one screen and that just annoyed me it annoyed me just enough for me to write my own tool and in the in so doing, I decided, well, I like this workflow better than that workflow. I, I want to be able to navigate to a folder, type in sport i for install, dot for whatever you find in this directory. And I don't know, I don't know whether SBOPKG could do that at the time. I don't know whether it can do that at the time. I don't think it could at the time. But, I mean, you, you could have navigated to the directory, I guess, and maybe said SBOPKG install, and then, well, I don't know, maybe you, yeah, I don't, something i don't know couldn't do it then could do it with sport so little tiny things that technically i mean really they just make no difference right it it is simply the it's the difference between typing in one string of letters or another and your fingers are moving either way so who cares well you don't have to care that's the that's the big deal you don't have to have like a great reason to hack on something. You can just hack something, and that's reason enough. So that's what Slackware is all about. It's what Slack PKG enables. It's a great example of all that stuff. Try it out if you're running Slackware. Try a Slack PKG. You probably already use it, but you might not. You may not know that it exists, because there's a lot of a lot of people out there say, well, there's no package manager for Slackware, and that's just not true. Slackware has really, really good security updates. That's primarily what you're going to be using Slack PKG for, unless you hack it with something like Slack PKG Plus, in which case, go crazy. You'll find packages all over the place. 
It'll be a completely different experience. Your Slackware experience will be completely different than mine, and it'll be very exciting. And if you love it, then that's perfect. That's what open source is about, right? Customization. It's really, really important and really a big significant part of this of this culture and of this industry and everything that it's about. So, Slack PKG. Next week, we will continue through the S section of the AP software set, starting with Soma. Talk to you then. listening to the GNU World Order AUGcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as AUGcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. I'm ready for the paid into my own parade. Cast your dance and spell my way. I promise to go under it.